You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we are going to talk about the tick. Yes, that's the tick, not tick the animated series, not tick the live action series. We're going to talk about the character of the tick and talk about him in all media, from comics to the animated show to both live action series that he's had. So. It is, unfortunately, another episode that was recorded quite a bit ago and has been sitting around in the backlog. Uh, It was just after the first season of Amazon Prime's new Tick series had aired. I wish that I had one for season two, but I was very busy when season two dropped, and at that time I knew that I already had a huge backlog, and once I wasn't able to release this episode in time before that season aired, I just decided to put the whole thing on hold and concentrate on some other episodes. But that isn't to say that the quality on this episode is bad. That's just, there were other things with pressing timing, and once I missed the date on this one, I was just like, all right, I better move on to those things. So, yeah, I wish I had had a chance to record a podcast that talked about the second season of Amazon Prime's The Tick. I am sad that that show did not get to be continued, Um, but still, we're going to celebrate the character in this podcast, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm not going to ramble on for very long on this one. Uh, I'm recording this intro actually a few weeks before it's going to air, so, um, you know, no point in talking about what's going on for me right now because you're going to hear things that are recorded later uh, that mention things that I'm doing but that will air before. But, uh, yeah, so uh, just sit around, uh, listen to the episode, and then come back for the outro and, you know, leave some feedback. All right, but without further ado, here's the podcast. Let's meet our guests for this week. So first up is a guy that you've heard quite a few times on the show. He absolutely loves comic books. He's peeled that Infinity Gauntlet off of Thanos' hand and has been using it lately. And that is my he buddy Eric. What? He didn't need it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, wait, no, I don't. I don't have the gauntlet. What are you talking about? Why are you <laughs> trying to get me killed right now? I've seen pictures. You have not. I have. How do you know he's not listening to this right now? Why are you trying to? <laughs> I don't care. Now? It does. It, he won't hurt me. <laughs> That's not even remotely true. <laughs> do you not know Thanos? <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, he won't come after me first. Let's put it that way. Eh, not necessarily. You might have prevalent information. Uh, Go after uh, Nate first. <laughs> so how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing all right. All right, good. Uh, anything uh, happened since the last time you were on the show, which I think was December? 
Yeah, it's like when was the last time we recorded together? I don't even remember. I it was uh, it was for the Orville podcast, I think, which was oh. in December. Slowly getting the podcast back on track. I had a uh, now um, soon to be ex Marvel editor. If she's moved on to her new, uh, she might have moved on to her new gig. I'm not sure. I know she just announced it. Uh, Mar- uh, Heather Antos, who was the uh, one of the co-creators of uh, Gwenpool, and we talked mm. a lot about uh, her editing process and just like how she got her job and cool stuff like that, as well as. Uh, who was the other one I had on recently? It was her, and then I had, um... Did you talk to Ralph Macchio? No. Oh, that would... Wow. No, Tom DeFalco. It was Tom DeFalco. Yeah, was it was it? DeFalco. Thank yeah, you. My okay. brain froze. But that, <laughs> no, it, Macchio would be awesome. No, no, I agree. Isn't... Wait, isn't he dead, though? Oh, I, I don't know that. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And I'm talking about the Ralph Macchio who did comics, not the actor who was no, the Karate I, I Kid. Okay. He might have passed away. Oh, I, I was not aware of that if he had. I could be wrong. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I think he might have passed away. Yeah. My, my <laughs> comics reading was 90 something percent in the 90s. So Ralph Macchio was, a, you know, fairly, uh, uh, you know, he was a, he was a big time editor at Marvel at that point. So, uh, oh, yeah, he was, oh, that was one of my favorite things about talking to Del Falco was the uh, getting the cool um, stories about. Um, oh, wow. Why is my brain dead all of a sudden? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, getting some of the cool Marvel editing stories about uh, Mark Grunewald. Oh yeah, Grunewald. Yeah, he was a legend, man. He like wrote Captain America for what twelve years? Oh yeah, give yeah. or take. Uh, Cap. He wrote the uh, he wrote that amazing Hawkeye Mockingbird miniseries that was just named Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote Quasar. So much different stuff mm-hmm. that he did. Yep. No, I remember those days. It's kind of weird when it's like people that you actually, you know, followed, you know, uh, and start start passing away. So it's, uh, yeah, anyway, makes me feel old anyway. I got, I got the gauntlet. I built a uh, Megazord and the Dragonzord. Are you going to balance the universe with the gauntlet? Um, no. All okay. <laughs> Like you would. Like you would. Don't high ground me. Okay. <laughs> my my favorite thing that's come out since the <laughs> Avengers Infinity War trailer is uh, Cap with uh, Thanos' glove on him saying, my mother's name is Martha. And Thanos is like, it's not going to work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that one. <sighs> but uh, someone, someone needs to uh, get the... Uh, Someone needs to come up with a pretty good. I never freeze for Black Panther against him. Mm, <laughs> sure. Oh, oh, oh. Speaking of, did you did you pick up on uh, which scenes from the first trailer in the second trailer are directly connected? No, I, I don't do. I don't go that deep into it. I don't frame there by frame or anything. Major ones. Okay. There's a reason they're showing which gem goes onto the. Which uh yeah, which stone goes onto the gauntlet. Gee, I wonder if that's the thing that Loki was handing to the person that we don't see on the other end during all the destruction. Oh wait, it is. Mm. <laughs> okay. Which is my theory about the whole not I use redemption in a very 
very loose manner, but I do have a theory about a Loki redemption arc directly connected to Ragnarok and okay. where they left off that relationship. And I think that directly correlates into why the uh, the stone is going to Thanos at that point. Okay. Well, we'll see if it turns out true. Yeah, and apparently well, it's nine minutes longer than what Civil War was. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to talk more about uh, Infinity War at a different point, but... Uh, yeah, no. There's a lot that you can that you can read into it, and of course, um, you know, there's some things from the comics that I think they're going to try to do riffs on, even though obviously it's going to be very different from the Infinity Gauntlet comic. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, like we'll see like I said, where the hell is Hawkeye? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's good to have you back on the podcast, Eric. It is good to be back, my friend. All right, so uh, coming to back to us from out of the time stream, from the uh, Rochathon of Rassilon podcast, it is Joe Heath. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. And you've brought someone with you this time, haven't you? Indeed, I have. And who my, is that? My, my wonderful wife, Tony. Hello. Hello, Tony. It's good to have you on the 42 cast. It is excellent to be on it. All right. So it was also great to have you on our podcast, by the way. <laughs> that is true. Yes, uh, I was on the Watchathon of Rassilon. I don't know what a month ago, something like that. I I can't keep track of that. <laughs> it was for Planet of Spiders. Anyway, I know that much, but uh, yeah, I uh, I uh, had a good time. Glad you enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you. So oh, good. Um, so uh, Joe, what's uh, new since the last time you were on the show? Um, well, we've start. we finally, we're finally into four. We're in the fourth Doctor era, which yep. is fun. We've seen two serials of his at this point. Mm. Um, I'm really digging him. I like him a lot. Yeah, I think that the, the his first three seasons, which uh, Philip, Philip Hinchcliffe produced, uh, and, uh, Rob Holmes was the script editor. I think those are probably the three best seasons of Doctor Who from a storytelling perspective. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah, it was a great production team. And so, uh, you know, everybody talks about the fourth Doctor and how he's the best. I'm not sure how much of it is that he's the best and how much is that he had the best team behind the scenes um, right. in Classic Who. But, uh, yeah. I know someone, uh, one of our previous guests said that... Uh, the fourth doctor is basically the Beatles. It's just everybody likes it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, so, Tony, this is your first time on the podcast. So, why don't you say just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I help Joe host a podcast about Doctor Who. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a way that we choose to spend our time. Um, I don't know. What's relevant information about me? <laughs> What's what's anything about me that's in any way interesting? <laughs> I don't know. You have to decide. The only thing I know is that you like things that are out of scale. That is, <laughs> oh, no. I, how quickly that became, like, my trademark that everyone knows me for. Like, to the point where uh, a friend of ours who's, who's like, a, a friend who was a friend of Joe's and who, like, mm. only kind of knew me. And they, they were in town for a little bit, and uh, she was like, by the way, I just saw these and had to buy them for you. And it was little uh, erasers that were shaped like food. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, everyone <laughs> knows. <laughs> 
<laughs> but also they're the cutest thing and they, they live on my desk now okay. so. <laughs> well you can't dislike it too much that people are doing that if you put it on your desk so. <laughs> no I have yeah you have sometimes where people like pick up on things like uh, I'm pretty big into Ninja Turtles mm. or I was and I have a lot I have a lot more Ninja Turtle stuff than I probably would have bought for myself mm-hmm. because like somebody buys you one or two things and then they're like ah that's the thing that I remember yeah <laughs> that's what she's into so, so who, I'm who's... probably not as into Ninja Turtles as like the amount of stuff I own would let you believe but <laughs> okay but oh, all right so here's the relevant question here's the thing that will allow us on the show and everyone listening at home to judge you appropriately who sure. is your favorite Ninja Turtle uh, it fluctuates between Michelangelo and Donatello okay Okay. I, I also think it depends on the version. Yeah, I imagine. It's so like like <clears throat> comics. Michelangelo is top notch. Michelangelo, mm. whereas some other iterations of Michelangelo are annoying, but I love them anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I've always thought it was um, as you grow up, like say when you're a little kid, you love you love Mikey. Uh, as you get a little older, like you shift between the turtles, especially like now now in my thirties, Raph is my favorite no matter what, and. Uh, it's just like I said. I've always thought it was an age thing when it comes to who loves the tur- which turtles and when. I can see that. I've had more appreciation for Leo than I've ever had in my life. Normally, I was like, Leo's the worst. He's the worst turtle. <laughs> what? I I don't feel that way anymore. Leo's the best. Oh, t- uh, the 2007 movie TMNT uh, that made me love both Leo and Raph pretty equally. And like like I said, growing up, I was always a Mikey kid. And don't get me wrong, Donnie's great, but. Donnie's probably my fourth favorite. I'm just shaking my head over here. Ever since the 80s cartoon, Leo has been best, okay? <laughs> it really was the the new cartoon. When did when did the new one come out? Not the 2003, but... 2012. 2012. That, like, yeah. gave me the most appreciation for Leo, so... And also, like, I feel like downplayed Donatello for you a bit because of his weird crush on April. Yeah, I mean, that became, that became like a dominating factor of his personality, which is, which I find boring, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so out of touch. I only know the films and the 80s cartoon. That's uh, 80s slash 90s. So. That's the one you're like least familiar with, isn't it? Is the 80s cartoon? Yeah, weirdly it is. That's what most people are like. When when people find out that that's what I'm into, and they will always want to talk to me about it, and I'm like, I I think I've seen like one or two episodes of that cartoon. I don't know why. Like the most popular version is the one I'm least familiar with. The Just one a you're, weird you're, quirk you're of timing, of is, I guess. Uh, 2003, right? That's yeah. That's the one that I watched a lot. Hmm. It's good. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, yeah, anything else that you want to say, uh, Tony, about yourself? Uh, I'm all right. Okay, because we kind of hijacked <laughs> the conversation there to talk more about Ninja Turtles, so I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I feel like I feel like as long as you know what my my favorite turtles are, that gives you a good yeah. That lets you know who I am as a person. Uh, yeah, I know enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, 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 oh! I got another one. Oh well, you haven't watched the whole series yet, but still, from from right now, what is your favorite classic Doctor? Uh, it's whoever I'm currently watching. Oh, okay. Fair I'm enough. really bad at answering that question. Okay. Because it's, <laughs> it's whoever I'm currently watching. So, so, I mean, probably I would have said, like, like I really like five, and we haven't gotten to him yet, but I've seen a handful. 
of his episodes just because when I was watching through Classic Who just randomly with whatever I could find on Daily Motion the first time, mm-hmm. uh, Five is kind of one that I was like, I particularly like this. Um, but yeah, it's right now it's it's probably four because where that's what we're into now and i'm i'm really enjoying it but i have have a hard time picking favorites (laughs) all right fair enough whereas i do nothing but rank things so you know (laughs) (laughs) tells everybody something about me too (laughs) so uh, all right well it's good to have you back joe and it's great to have you on the podcast tony thank y'all thanks all right and so next up we're going to have our five minute controversy And for those listening at home, Five Minute Controversy is what replaced Five Questions because Five Questions was just taking so long ever since Jennifer Hart joined (laughs) Curse the Podcast. So uh, our controversy for this week, Eric kind of touched on it, was that the Infinity War trailer dropped this uh, past Friday. Everyone's losing their mind about the fact that Hawkeye is not to be seen in that trailer. So, <laughs> Eric, why don't you start us off? What do you think that this means for Hawkeye? Do you think that he's going to just die in this uh, show? Or do you think he's going to be barely in Infinity War? Or, or what's what's going on there? Well, they've said that he plays a heavy factor into four. So I'd assume that maybe there's like five, ten minutes scene of explaining, oh, I've sent Hawkeye to go do this because supposedly with the rumors of I say rumors even though there are shots uh, paparazzi shots of him in the Ronin costume that he's going to be in Japan for some reason I don't think I don't think they'll kill the family I really don't think I think they might like disappear all of the comic books like 50% of the world because the trailer makes the line that we all know is going to happen but um I think he's on a mission to uh, to Japan for some reason, but okay. I'm sure they'll explain it in the movie. But like I said, because he has a new costume, we know he's prevalent in four, as they've said time and time again, and we know there's some sort of dynamic shift in these two movies from Jeremy Renner himself saying Hawkeye and Clint Barton fans will be happy and they're doing a lot of stuff with the character that they wanted to and maybe that's why he's not being played prominently in the trailers because they're keeping it as close to the best as possible this is the optimistic side of me speaking it could also be them completely because obviously Hawkeye is one of my favorite characters Mm -hmm. especially Marvel wise of all time just like the thing and many others but (laughs) Wolverine or any of those guys but um (laughs) It's one of, it's really, one of, all of them are my favorites. <laughs> like, I have a top like five. It's like Havoc, The Thing, Hawkeye, Wolverine, uh, Deadpool, and let's see. I'm blanking on my my other one, but um, no, I just the optimist in me is hoping that they're just like keeping it close to the vest, and he's on some sort of major, uh, major mission for uh, for uh, Cap uh-huh. that we don't know yet. Okay. Although I will say, anytime creative types say anything about a movie, I take it with a grain of salt, just because there's always an angle about the information that's released. Because either they're trying to push for something, or hoping that if enough there's enough of a fan outcry, maybe they'll give them more scenes, or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. Because I've had enough times where people have said things before a movie comes out, and then you watch the movie, and it's like, that wasn't there, or that didn't happen, or something like that, where I'm always kind of like, 
maybe. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But um, so Joe, do you care at all about whether Hawkeye is in Infinity War? <laughs> I mean, I'd like him to be. I like Hawkeye well enough. Um, I I wasn't a big fan of what happened to him in Avengers: Age of Ultron too much. Uh, I don't know the whole like surprise family didn't mm-hmm. entirely work for me but yeah. it was okay but uh, I mean I was more of the people that were like with the people that were like uh, Hawkeye Black Widow all the way yeah so to do that and also have the weird Black Widow Hulk relationship threw me off a little bit the Black Widow Hulk relationship worked for me but the Hawkeye just having a family thing didn't it, it seemed kind of weird and out of place especially since see like like Eric I'm a fan of the comics and I wanted them to eventually do Mockingbird which ended up not being possible because they ended up using her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there's a whole mishmash of things that happened there but I would have preferred if she hadn't been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they had done a movie version of her and just made the character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. something else but um but yeah I uh I uh I get I get why that would be weird to some people yeah but. Also, is I'm more concerned. Is was Ant Man in any of the trailers? He was. He was. He was very, very small. <laughs> <laughs> he God, he is Ant-Man. in the movie, from what? But from what I remember, they've also said that um, Wasp won't be in in the movie until the fourth movie. Right. Yeah. Same Wasp as Captain be. Marvel. I remember them saying that, but I could be wrong. Right, but there's a shot, I think, in the first trailer that if you zoom it in, he's on somebody's shoulder. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. so there is there is one shot of Ant-Man in one of the trailers. He's just really small. <laughs> um, as we previously established, Tony is very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Ant-Man trailer for Ant-Man and, and, and Wasp, the uh-huh. Wasp, kills me every time because the Pez dispenser gets so big. <laughs> Yes. And it's the best. What about when the car shrinks down and they're driving through the other cars? They're both really good. <laughs> when, when the first movie came out, Tony watched that trailer. <laughs> so she would laugh every time they do that Thomas the Tank Engine joke. Yeah. Every time. So hard. Because a giant Thomas the Tank Engine is inherently hilarious. <laughs> I I don't care who you are. That's good stuff. <laughs> So what do you think, Tony? Do you think that uh, Hawkeye is going to be... Uh, is he going to be sidelined in this movie coming up? I don't know, man. Probably. Like, <laughs> they haven't they haven't done much with him so far. Yeah. Well, um, that's the real tragedy, I think, is because Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Captain America, neither one of them have really ostentatious powers. But Captain America, he's got the personality. He's that Boy Scout, so he gets a lot of time. You know, Black Widow, she's very charismatic and very sexy, so she gets time. But, like, Hawkeye, it's just, like, bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. It's, a, it's a movie where you've got you're juggling a lot. Right. And I mean, oh. Jeremy Renner does great with what he's given, but they've never really given him that much. To I mean, the first movie where he's mind controlled, you know, is probably the most he gets. But then he's mind controlled, so there isn't a whole lot he can do with it. You know? So it's, I want like Matt Fraction, Hawkeye. That's what I want. Hmm. That sort of comedy stylings of Hawkeye. That's my comedy's my jam. Mm. I want Howard the Duck. That's, that's <laughs> I what I want. <laughs> we already had a Howard the Duck movie. It was great. 
I will not disagree with you. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Like we can't see your face, but I'm calling. I'm calling the fact that you, uh, you had one of those uh, grins on your face. That that was not a serious statement at all. What me? Yeah. I love Howard the Duck. What are you talking about? That is uh, now I don't go as far as a uh, friend of the show Ryan Guthrie who says that he believes that Howard the Duck is actually the first movie in the MCU. But <laughs> <laughs> and that he's hoping that they'll acknowledge it at some point, you know, that the Howard the Duck in Guardians is the same Howard the Duck from the 80s movie, but I don't go that far. But no, I I love the 80s Howard the Duck. I don't know why people rag on it so much. It's great. <laughs> It's terrible. Anyway. Oh! It's fun. I won't say it's great, but it's fun. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what's sad when you guys come in who are like 10 to 15 years younger than me commenting on the movie that was part of my childhood. But it's okay. It's okay. Uh, when I was a baby, people said I looked like Howard the Duck. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's a thing. I might have it on DVD. I don't even know. <laughs> Possibly. Anyway, but no, I, I I do love that movie. No, I'd love to see. No, I was hoping when he showed up at the end of the first Guardians movie that they were going to announce that that was like the new mystery Marvel movie was that they were going to do like Howard the Duck uh, movie, but it wasn't to be. I think Joe, you've got a script like waiting to go, don't you? Yeah, I have. New, I have new ideas. Howard the Duck movie. Yeah, I have. A, I have a plan. <laughs> But <laughs> all right, well, we've gone over five minutes here with this, but uh, uh, we, we we would all like to see more Hawkeye, and we got really no real clue of what's going on. But he's probably going to be sidelined. That's that that's the consensus, right? I think so. Well, I think he'll be in it, but yeah, he'll but be in it, but for there. like a few minutes, right? Yep. Well, my my personal theory is since you know, like we're getting the. Infinity War is the third movie I think especially with what we know about what's been released about the fourth movie I think it's going to be Avengers Forever okay Mm. so that's why I think they've been saying Hawkeye has a major prominence in the movie it's like yeah because he's a heavy factor inside of Avengers Forever also the best part of Kurt Kurt Busiek's uh, Avengers run fight me <laughs> I have a theory that everything we've seen in the trailer, that's all that exists in the movie of those characters, and the rest of the movie is just Hawkeye. <laughs> and well, Howard the Duck. There is the poster that was done where somebody replaced all the characters in the Infinity War trailer with Hawkeye. <laughs> Different shots of Hawkeye. So maybe that's the movie we'll get. <laughs> but I don't think so. Alright, so uh, that's the end of the five minute controversy. So we are, before we dive into our topic, we are going to break for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, Adam Thomas. Yes, Thomas Mariani. You know how there are podcasts about bad movies? Yeah. And also podcasts about good movies? Yeah. Well, what if a podcast could cover both? What? Listen to Double Edge Double Bill, where a randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature is picked and then picked apart. Now, who came up with this wacky idea? Adam, we did. That's our show. I'm learning something new every day. Listen to us on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are available. And we're back. 
So in this uh, episode today, we are going to talk about The Tick, which is a character that I first became aware of in the 90s, but has origins uh, reaching back into the 80s with a comic book uh, that was from an indie publisher, uh, New England Comics. And I have never read the comic, but I believe that uh, I know that Joe, Joe, you and Tony have read the comic, at least some of it, right? Mm-hmm. And Eric, Ben Edlund run. run, yeah. Yeah, Eric, have you read the comic? I have seen bits and pieces of it, but I haven't read it now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was created by, uh, the tick was created by a guy named Ben Edlund uh, as a teenager, from what I read on Wikipedia, which is kind of interesting because that that character took off pretty fast, and so uh, he kind of had a very early success in his life. Um, but uh, Joe and Tony, I, I imagine the comic is being very similar to the 90s cartoon, but tell me a little bit about it. Was it a lot like the 90s cartoon, but as a comic, or, or was it? Uh, completely different no no it was, it well, was... It's, it's weird in that there are a lot of jokes or like sp- specific plot lines and even like character designs that are in the comics as they are in the cartoon mm-hmm. um but the tick's a lot different he's it's a, a lot more adult yeah he's a little bit more dangerous as a person okay yeah, there's a there's a bit where he's like um he doesn't want to uh stop crime he just wants to fight crime so it's yeah he's very unhinged Uh he's more just like into violence because he thinks it's kind of neat okay and and stopping crime is just a byproduct of that yeah the The worst the the first scene is him uh breaking out of an insane asylum so that's what i was going to bring up that was the one thing that i knew about it is that unlike other versions of the tick where he just sort of ambiguously arrives in the city you know, I, I did read about that, that in the comics, that they have him escaping from an insane asylum and kind of have that as the explanation for why he's not, you know, his origin is kind of vague uh, because mm. he's crazy. <laughs> but still super strong for, for we still don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's nigh invulnerable. Nigh invulnerable. So um, how about um, like Arthur? Does he have Arthur in the comics? Uh, Arthur act is in the He's in the background in, like, the first four to six issues, mm-hmm. but he doesn't f- fully show up as a character. Uh, he's just, like, flying in the background, like, mysteriously. I feel like Arthur is pretty much the same but yeah, character. Yeah, he's pretty much the same. Uh, the, like, the one constant throughout all of the series is uh, when they do team up and they, like, take him to the apartment and he's like... Oh, your secret headquarters. Where's your Where's your trigger? <laughs> right. So that that happens in every single version, including the joke about what is your uh, What does your couch turn into? Turns into a bed. <laughs> that's because that's because you write that line and you know what you have. <laughs> you write that line and you say, "Oh yeah, that's I'm going to repeat that as often as everyone will let me." <laughs> well, another thing that at least from the versions that I've seen, which is of course the cartoon, the original live action version in 2001 and this newer live action version that's on Amazon Prime is the terror has been in all three versions so was he also in the comic book uh right at the very end the he's kind of the like cliffhanger isn't he yeah like like he shows up in the last issue and mm. the cliffhanger is like they're about to go attack the the tick and then Ben Edlund never finished it <laughs> oh that's awful i didn't realize he left it on a cliffhanger yeah, there there is a wrap up comic that's not written by him, but uh, 
Is it good? Did you it's read okay. it? It's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's not Ben Edlin, but it's it's, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, ben Edlund, he's he's an interesting writer because he always comes at things from a slightly different angle. I still say in the first season of Gotham that the two best episodes were the ones that he wrote um, because he just he just comes at things from a different way of looking at it than than most people would, which is I think why the Tick is. Uh, an interesting character that keeps coming back and people are still interested in hearing a uh, new story or seeing new stories about because it's just such a weird spin on superheroes that you never you know you don't normally see mm. it's it's this weird sort of mix of absurd and mundane Mm. mundanely absurd right. because you know normally when you're doing like a joke superhero thing it's just more like poking fun at the tropes right mm. i mean it, but but the tick is yeah like you say it's like the tick lives in a rundown apartment it's sort of like he's living this sort of mundane life as the roommate of arthur um but at the same time he's like this over-the-top really spastic kind of character and it just seems weird to have those two things together but it's there yeah uh, well, like, like i was saying about the that one issue that wasn't written by ben edlund and other tick comics that i've read that aren't written by ben edlund they tend to go when they're doing the humor. It's just like we're being silly, very and, leaning very heavily into the absurdity. Yeah, whereas I don't feel like that's what makes the tick tick. It's that. It's that. I don't know. It's just like these weird concepts. It's not just straight up comedy. It's like this, just something you wouldn't even expect. Like, mm-hmm. like a pig leg. Like a pig leg. (laughs) God, I love that episode. Like the guy is so desperately wanting to be a cool supervillain, he has this other persona. The the was it the bulb? Yeah, the deadly bulb or something like that. And he's got this whole thing, but he also has a pig leg that he's trying to ignore. Right. But it's such a bizarre, amazing concept, and I love it. And that's the kind of weird absurdity that I think is is the tick and not just like hey look it's silliness mm-hmm. that, that. the charm of the tick himself is more along the fact that especially in all all three adaptions I find that he's basically a mix between Captain Kirk and uh, Adam West Batman wait 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 where do you get Captain Kirk <laughs> okay sorry the 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 Captain Kirk is more in the um, more in his speech pattern slash oh, more of like the way okay. he's yeah the more the way he's delivering what he's saying okay but it's also you know got the Adam West tick to it as well mm-hmm. well sixties Batman pretty much but the, uh, the monologues are beautiful oh yeah he's sixties Batman in a mostly especially the last two adaptions mostly realistic world (laughs) and just kind of not realizing the world he's in he's still i wouldn't say childlike but he's his his overall idea of what the world is is very different than the world (laughs) that he's actually in and that's that's half of the charm of the character yeah one of my definitely say childlike yeah (laughs) i think that's part of his appeal like in the in the first live action where uh they're basically having to to give the sex talk (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> my favorite monologue from the animated series is something i'll never forget where it's like arthur sanity is like a one-trick pony all that you get is one trick 
rational thinking. But when you're good and crazy, the sky's the limit. <laughs> I love the monologue. I know. <laughs> Monologues are so good. So yeah, let's get into the cartoon a little bit, because that's where I really got into the tick, uh, which is, I, I believe, 1994 is when it started on Fox Kids. It was... I can't remember if it was before the X-Men or after the X-Men, but they kind of, you know, made sure to put those together as a block, even though, other than the fact that it's animated superheroes, those two shows were nothing alike. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. They had Spider-Man at that point, too. Yeah, it was Spider-Man at that point, too. It wasn't, like, crazy after. It was, like, within months of each other. Hmm. Because at the same time, you were were also getting, like, that animation style through, like you said, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, you had the Iron Man. Well, no, I was talking about how Fox laid it out schedule-wise during the day. No, no, no. No, I know the tick was after X-Men as far as, like, the what year, because X-Men started in late 92, but um, no, I meant during the day. I I think it might have been, like, Spider-Man, then the tick, then X-Men. It was something like that. Anyway, um, but uh but yeah that's right spider-man was out by that point Phantom too. max but Earthworm uh jim <laughs> they were all around the same time if you really right but those weren't on fox kids. i'm just talking about fox kids aren't. no they were they were no the max was not on fox kids no i didn't say the max i said salmon max oh I, okay uh-huh. I, I don't know that one but um you never played the salmon max point and click adventure games no they're like detectives oh okay yeah they had a cartoon it lasted two seasons and it was just as weird as the tick (laughs) um but uh yeah so the tick it was it was this weird show um that came on and and it had a weird song it was just i don't even know why but (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and and you know it just fascinated me right off the bat because just this weird character these uh, these weird pastiches which was the other fun thing like you had deflator mouse because they they wanted to have a batman type character and so it's like uh we'll just like put it in German and see if anyone notices so <laughs> and Deflator Mouse was definitely my favorite of the supporting characters because he, he was such a wannabe of wanting to be like this cool bad Batman type villain even though they couldn't say Batman or but, but hero not villain blah and uh, but he was always like too cowardly and couldn't like you know he never quite got it right and that was always a lot of fun I thought and they had American Maid which was like a Captain America, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, merge. Um, and they had uh, Fishboy, the Lost Prince of Atlantis, who showed up in a lot of episodes. Um, sewer Urchin, definitely Sewer Oh, urchin yes, too. yes, oh, Sewer Urchin, yes. <laughs> and um, and um, um, my favorite, Big Shot, who was the Punisher. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and would just show up blowing like skull shaped holes and things. <laughs> and he would just like you know, like laugh and like tears would be streaming down his face as he was laughing and just blowing stuff away. Didn't he eventually get therapy? Yeah, yes, he, he, he goes got to therapy, therapy and he comes back and he wears a, a green turtleneck sweater <laughs> and and speaks very softly. Right, and then when the tick is fighting the other guy that took the name the tick, he's like, guys, there. guys, put it in the happy box. And they're still fighting and he's like, I said, put it in the happy box. And he's like grabbing <laughs> them by the neck and stuff. It's, it's so good. I think at some point the tick asks him for a hand grenade and he's like, what? I don't... <laughs> Why would I? Why would I have a? Oh, okay, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the human bullet. 
Fire, Fire me, boy! Right. <laughs> the joke was he could never arrive on time because by the time he ever got to where there was a problem, it had already taken care of itself and he just ends up like hitting something, you know, <laughs> and like doing nothing. He's so. out in the suburbs of the city. So he's always like having a picnic with his family. And his right. wife's very annoyed that he's trying to be a superhero. <laughs> well, and the best one is the one where like the kid isn't there. And the wife refuses to fire him. She she's like he's over at the floor. Right. She's like, he's over at a friend's house and he's like, Well then then you fire me, boy. And she's like, I'm not gonna do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, that was I mean it was so cool because you know, you knew who they were going for with all of those. But they did such fun little spins on these, you know, popular characters. And uh I don't know. I, I some like straight up like parodies of like uh, the Galactus episode. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. could put that on the DVD. <laughs> yeah, it's not on the DVD. Right. But. right. Yeah, they couldn't put the uh, one with the uh, Cindy Crawford in it either because it was too much. The, the, it was with the mole people, and they wanted the king wanted Cindy Crawford. It was a. I think they called her Mindy or something like that. But it was they were definitely yeah. going for Cindy Crawford with the mole and everything, and so it yeah. was like. Yeah, they, they they couldn't put that on the DVD because, uh, you know, her people would sue or whatever. So, yeah. It's unfortunate because I would love to have a complete set of that animated show. Yeah, I just watched. I, you can still get them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the same. No, it's, no, not. it's not. Yeah, I have the two sets they released, but uh, that's only 24 of the 36 episodes they did, which is, you know, percentage-wise of the show is a pretty good amount, but still, it's I want the whole thing. Um, but that is kind of weird. You know, I mean, for as popular as the show was, and as much as we remember it fondly, 36 episodes isn't a whole lot. Um, you know, they, they didn't make all that many of them. Yeah, it's I was more than surprised because we went to... <laughs> We went to rewatch it uh, before before the podcast, mm-hmm. and I, like when we were through, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's that's the end." Yeah. We watched them all. That was quicker. That went by quicker than I thought. Yeah, so, full of goodies, though. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some favorite episodes from the animated show. Uh, Eric, do you have a favorite episode that you can remember? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, I was. Um... I was well, I was actually binging um, the uh, early two thousands uh, series before we were uh, before we were talking today oh, earlier okay. today. Uh, like I would obviously I remember watching it in a lot of the beats and a lot of the classic stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't remember like any episode names or uh, themes off the top of my head right now. Okay, uh, Tony, Sorry. what about you? No, it's fine. Tony, what about you? Uh, well, I have a couple because when I I think I first came across the tick, it was re-airing on mm. I think it was Jetix is mm-hmm. what it was called, probably like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. And so, because it was Jetix, I don't think I ever once like caught them in order. <laughs> but there's one of like the v- very first episodes with Chairface Chippendale. Mm-hmm. He writes his name on the moon, <laughs> but he only gets as far as Cha. <laughs> And it stays in there throughout the whole cartoon. So when I first started watching the cartoon, I was like, why is Cha on the moon? Why I've seen like I'd seen like three or four episodes and it was in every one. And I was like, is that like like the artist's initials? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. And finally that episode aired. And I was like, oh, 
oh, that's brilliant. Like that just happened in one episode and it stuck around at least until they got the sea off the moon. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it, and then it just says, ha, and then, it, and then Galactus takes a bite out of it. And then it says, ha, and it has a bite out of it. Mm-hmm. But there was something about that, that like continuity that I'd never like seen before in a cartoon mm-hmm. that delighted me. <laughs> comedy continuity too yeah a joke that they're like oh no this is staying yeah see that's the thing i never really liked chairface chippendale i never really cared for that character at all i didn't think he he was particularly funny but the fact that in his episode that happened and it became just this running gag throughout the whole series i I really like that um but probably my favorite episode is the one where there's they have to go down into the sewers with Sewer Urchin. Mm. And out of the sewers, Sewer Urchin's like this dweeby kind of guy. <laughs> but in the sewers, he's the coolest person ever. Like his apartment down there is like amazing. He like is in charge. All of the, the villains are afraid of him. And like Tick and Arthur just get like progressively like more and more like the Sewer Urchin mm-hmm. <laughs> as like terrible things happen to them. It's a fantastic episode. <laughs> No, I, I like that. <laughs> Sewer urchin, you're cool down here. <laughs> That's one of the lines. Yeah. When they meet the when they meet beat back up with Deflator Mouse later in the episode in the diner. <laughs> I still love that whole bit when he's just like when uh, the tick's just like don't don't disrespect what happened down there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird down there. Right. Let's never talk about it. Again. Right, because there's like the wallet they're gonna pick up, and the wallet is actually like a lure for some like creature that's connected through a tentacle <laughs> to the wallet, and <laughs> it's gonna eat them. It's, it's so weird, but uh, yeah. Okay, and uh, Joe, how about you? Do you have any favorite episodes? Uh, I have a few. I really like the one with the pig leg because it's such a bizarre concept. Um, I also liked uh, the tick versus the proto clown, less because of the proto clown plotline, which is fine, but the plotline of the tick flying into space. When he gets hit into space and, and goes on his like psychic mental journey. Yeah, there's that like his head with all the little wings on it. Mm-hmm. It's just very bizarre and weird and and just nuts. Um, I like any of the episodes that have like w- just concepts you just couldn't even imagine. Just like yeah. who who thought this up? This is great. <laughs> so I like those. Um, I also like the the uh, the chair, the comfortable chair. Oh, the world's most comfortable chair. He puts a note on it that just says, "Too comfortable. Do, Do not, not sit." sit. <laughs> Well, then there was the whole thing with Deflator Mouse and uh, what the, the Ottoman uh, was what was she called herself? Um, I think so. The, she, the Ottoman Empire was the, the right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like their whole like weird sort of romance thing that was going on in that one. Yeah. I, I always liked it when Deflator Mouse had a good part. <laughs> also, this isn't an episode, but the speak is terrifying yeah. to me. <laughs> Well, the great part is... Because that's what you you do. (laughs) I know. Well, that's great, because first of all, Tick not only thinks it can talk because it talked in his weird fever dream that he was having, but then second of all, he thinks it's a dog when it's really a giant rodent. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just constantly is just <laughs> oh it's so disturbing i don't know how something that essentially looks like kind of a dog and that's how it's animated is able to be so freaking creepy <laughs> somehow it constantly looks like just moist <laughs> And hungry. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think what's really funny about Speak is the one where Tick gets like the the results from the vet, where the vet is like, "This is actually like the world's largest rodent," and he's like, "Oh, it's okay, Speak. If if that's your life choice is to be a rodent, then that's okay with me." <laughs> I just thought that that was funny. <laughs> like like this was a decision Speak had made. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna be a rodent now. <laughs> I believe that episode that introduced him was written by Christopher McCulloch, I think is his name, and he went on to create uh, Venture Brothers. Ah. Mm. So, which is... I've never seen. Yeah, well, that he also wrote for uh, the, the live-action tick. He's actually written for both live-action ticks, and that's how he met Patrick Warburton. That's why Patrick Warburton's in the Venture Brothers. Uh-huh. Oh. Ben Edlin's written a couple episodes of that as well. So it's all one big family. Uh, my uh, one of my favorite episodes is the tick versus the tick. Um, oh yeah, that's so I, I think that's one of the most quotable episodes. There are just so many funny things, like um, when when they go up to the superhero uh, club and it's like, uh, "Who are you?" And it's like, "I am the doorman, but men call me Jim." <laughs> <laughs> Arthur also has the best villain of all time. Yes. Evil Bomber Wants Midnight. (laughs) And the the sidekick's lounge that Arthur has to go to because he's like, you're not a hero, you're a sidekick. And so it's like a dog, like a little kid, (laughs) and then Arthur just sitting in this place. It's like like an ape too, I think. Oh yeah, there was the ape, that's right. That 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 whole plotline is also in the in the comic too. Mm. Uh, Barry t- the Tick Hubris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. good. I don't think the evil bomber was in it, but the the, the idea of the, the 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 other Tick and that that club is also. Yeah. It. Well, yeah, and that's the one where Big Shot because he's had therapy. He's like trying to like keep it all reined in, and then he like just completely loses it while trying to help them get through their issues, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> Put it in the happy box. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So I like that one. Um, I like the Tick versus the Uncommon Cold. Um, mm. You know, that's another one of those jokes that they've used again of the two roommates who it's like one's like an evil villain and the other's just like a regular guy because that comes up in the Amazon one uh, mm. also. Uh, and and I, I always thought that was the best part of that one was like, you know, Thrakozog, you know, the evil alien from Dimension whatever. And then he's got like just this regular Joe in his apartment you know that's <laughs> and they have to draw the line down the apartment you know just like it's like a sitcom or something where it's like you know you can't come into my side of the apartment and do any of this you know fighting stuff and you know it was uh doesn't he like uh free arthur or something and he's like i told you not to touch my stuff right. he doesn't at first because he's yeah. like that, that would be rude yeah. against our roommate code and Arthur convinces him just to at least loosen his restraints and like you know the Arthur clone is so pathetic all it can say is I Arthur 
and the tit can't tell the difference between Arthur, who's completely articulating everything, and the clone who's just like, I, Arthur. And Tick's like, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> he's also bright green. Right? He's made out of snot, right? right? Oh, no, the, no, the Arthur clone isn't oh, made yeah. out of snot. It's the, the Tick, tick clone that's made out of because snot. he's sick. Yeah. And so that's the only way that Arthur, because Arthur clone tries to get samples of the Tick, but he can't because he's so invulnerable. And so finally he takes the tissue with his snot in it and brings that back to Thracker's up. And uh, the other one, the other one that's just so fantastic to me is that mustache feeling. <laughs> <laughs> That song that's in that is one of my favorite things to exist. <laughs> and just the whole thing that once Tick has the mustache and it's like playing like that 70s music and he's just strutting down the street and everything. And, you know, and then it's like the like the women that are like from Charlie's Angels, like it's a riff on Charlie's Angels that they're trying to get the mustache. You know, they're 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 the ones who are fighting it. And, you know, it's I don't know. It's just that my one favorite was... part of that whole episode is the resolution where yeah. the beard and the, the mustache team up on the guy's face and right. it's just like, all right, bye. It just right. floats away. <laughs> just very nonchalantly. Yeah, just underplayed incredible weirdness. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And oh, 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 the tick versus the big nothing. With the uh, the what's and the haze. You know, the two the alien races. The one that can only say hey and the, only, the other one that can only say what. <laughs> And for some reason, look exactly like Arthur. Right. And then there's the the thing that they're terrified of is the Infinity Ball, which is an eight ball just turned on its side. <laughs> we have those on Earth. We knock them around on tables. <laughs> Whoa. And it goes into a black hole, so. Right. There you go. Oh. So, yeah. I, I, I want to... Oh, sorry. I want to mention one of my favorite lines, which is actually in the pilot. Okay. And it's the first time that Arthur flies. Oh. And it's just the delivery of his line is so great. It's just that I'm very frightened. I love that line <laughs> so much. Yeah. I, I want to say that. A little that, bit excited. <laughs> they had some good voice talent on that. Um. Mm. You know, I mean, like, the guy who played the Tick, which I haven't done any research on who these people were, but the guy playing the Tick did a fantastic job. Arthur was great. The guy who did Deflator Mouse is one of those voices that I hear all the time. I probably should know who he is, but, uh, you know, well, I he's think done... there were two different Arthurs. Yeah, season one Arthur is different than season two onwards. I don't know who they are. I just, I just uh, know Season that. two onward was uh, Rob Paulson, who's oh, a okay. Ninja Turtle. Yeah, yeah it was. Hmm. Yeah. And two different Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I never realized that Arthur's voice changed. Uh, it's very it's very similar, but it's a little more nasally when Rob Paulson takes over. Okay. Uh, the voice of the Tick is uh, also the voice of Midnight, the dog in the new the Amazon. Oh, that's great! Yeah, the man eating. Oh, I see now on the list it says that he he also played the man eating cow, which is kind of funny because the man eating cow doesn't actually talk. <laughs> Just. <laughs> It just moves. <laughs> but Is yeah. the man-eating cow in the uh, Patrick Warburton version, too? Like, alluded to? Um, um, it's Apocalypse no. Cow. Oh, it's Apocalypse, yeah, it's apocalypse cow. cow. Okay. 
I knew there was a cow. But yeah, I see, I see now. Cam Clark was the Flader Mouse. Townsend Coleman is the Tick. Mickey Dolenz was the first Arthur. And then, yeah, Rob Paulson is the second Arthur. Um, Kay Lenz is American Maid. And this Jess Harnell was uh, MVP with playing the Sewer Urchin, Human Bullet, uh, Agrippa, Roman God of the Aqueduct, Speak, uh, all kinds of minor villains. That, that, that wow. <laughs> It's a lot of characters. Jim, Jim Cummings does a lot of voices on it as well. Mm. Uh, who's most famous for, I guess, Darkwing Duck and Tigger and stuff like that. But he's he's the other Tig. He plays a handful of villains, too. Yeah. There's a lot of good voice acting in that show. Yes. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's in, like, the last episode. He's uh, the, the ice cream guy. Mr. Oh. Cre- Mr. Creamy. Uh, Uncle Creamy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Creamy. Mm. And the Tick versus Education, which weirdly has Squirrel Girl in it, kind of <laughs> the flying squirrel, but it's it's Squirrel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, and the characters I forgot to mention that made me laugh so much were the Civic-minded Five, who are like the this group of like you know like rah 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 like let's make a difference, guys, you know kind of thing. But they're the lamest superheroes you've ever seen like the carpeted man whose power is to generate vast amounts of static electricity by rubbing himself up against things he gets so hot i know and then he gets so hot and he just has to fall down <laughs> i love the design of uh four legs yeah the four-legged man the- no. Yeah, for, he's got the the two legs. Just like it's not an it's not the most natural way to have four legs. No, <laughs> it's just sort of sticking off of his hips to the side. <laughs> it's not in a way that seems real useful. Yeah, <laughs> the mu- Captain Mucilage, <laughs> who can spray mucilage everywhere. <laughs> Me also uh, from the comics. Yeah, a lot of the the sort of. I think uh, Feral Boy is too. Yeah, and the uh, Carpet Man is, but. When they then they introduced like the the heroes from like the 1940s who were all super old now, the one of those that I thought was hilarious was the living doll. <laughs> like, I'm full of tinier men, and it's like when they like attack him, it's like it knocks the top off, and then a little person, a smaller one, just jumps out, and then knocks the top off of that one, and the smaller one jumps out. <laughs> that one was particularly fun because I I had seen all of the cartoon, Joe hadn't, mm. and so. We he says lying, that yeah. he says that line like two or three times, and he's like, "What, what does that mean? What does that possibly mean?" And like the whole time, I was like, "Oh, just wait, it's so good." Because like, he keeps not doing it because he's like, "I'm full of tinier men," and they're like, "Not now." And, what does it mean? What does it mean? Exactly what it sounds like. That's what it means. It's full of tinier men. Who's the other guy in that group with the the eyeball thing? That's disturbing. Rocket from the sockets. <laughs> I don't know what his name is, but that's what he says. Yeah, his eyeballs just pop out of his head and do justice. <laughs> and I love that the terrors like Council of Evil or whatever, I forget what he calls them, but it's like a guy with a puppet that he calls Handy. You know? <laughs> that and, everybody treats like a real person. Right. But, and it's smarter than him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's like the, the crazy alien that wants to kill everybody and the the, the man-eating cow. <laughs> It's like, this is like, oh, and Joseph Stalin, that's that's the best part. It's like, I'm actually not the real Joseph Stalin. I am just a man who looks like Joseph Stalin, and I greatly respect his work. Sort of a companion to Sarcastro. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. I just thought that the fact that they just, like, straight up had Joseph Stalin, like, in an episode. And then, like, the Flader Mouse, he's at the diner. He's like, wait a minute. Is that Joseph Stalin over there? <laughs> it's just so deadpan, like. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you'd see Joseph Stalin in a diner. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> mundane absurdity yeah um so yeah let's talk about the 2001 show now so so that was Eric, the one that got me into the tick okay oh, really? was that your first introduction to the tick also i don't know the animated series was totally my first oh intro. okay okay all right because i know it you had said you didn't really Fox remember it or so <laughs> i might have seen some episodes of the cartoon before but i didn't like super remember them but when the the, the live action show came out i i wasn't at home when it premiered so i or no what it was it got delayed because of some stupid sports thing hmm. so i taped it i'd like because it was like we're delaying it till after the football game and i had to go to bed so i had it on like a, just the vhs and i watched it over and over and over again i actually ta- i think i taped probably all the episodes because it was always being preempted by stupid football games or something so I feel like that might have been part of the reason why it didn't do so well is people couldn't watch it. I remember by the time I I had gotten into the tick, the show had already been canceled. Mm. And I was telling a friend that I was had like, you know, found this cartoon on JetX and it was so great. And he was like, Have you seen the live action? And I was like, What beautiful, ridiculous words have you just said to me? <laughs> like, how on earth could this this bizarre cartoon have a live action version? And I, you know, got the DVD and watched the whole thing and was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so tell me, Joe, if you hadn't seen the cartoon, why were you interested in watching the show in the first place? Because uh, I, I, it looked hilarious and it's about superheroes. Like comedy versions of superheroes is like my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And also I, I really like patrick warburton just in general so okay. i don't know just his big goofy voice and <laughs> yeah so just, just out of curiosity big. something i feel like is in the same genre as the tick do you have you seen mystery men i love mystery oh, okay Men. Right. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that some other time but yeah i, I absolutely adore mystery men um yeah, I gotta I say, I was actually talking to Tony about like I would love to see a Tick Mystery Men crossover. crossover. Mm. Uh, yep. Uh, I mean, also, uh, this is a slightly related thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen. You probably have Doctor Harville sing along blog. Yes. Uh, ben Edlund was originally going to write some of that. He actually created the character Bad Horse and Moist. So, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Which feels very tickish. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say, when I saw this, I, I saw it late. Um, I was in college at the time, and I missed that this was coming out at all. Um, so it was, I got it on the DVD that they released that had all, all nine episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the big nine. Um, I was a little disappointed with it. I don't know. I was so big into the cartoon. I didn't feel like it was as funny. Um, I do feel like it got better as it went along, and I really wish they had had more of a chance, at least to have a a full season, um, because I think that the show was developing and getting funnier. Um, But I don't know. It's something either about Patrick Warburton or just the fact that they were so limited in what they could do. It, It disappointed me that they changed. Like, Batman well, to me, was never as fun as Deflator Mouth. Um, you know, I, I just wanted it to be more like the cartoon, just live action, and it just didn't feel that way to me. I mean, there are were there were funny scenes, things that I remember. Like I, I absolutely loved. Um, 
when like the tick's trying to figure out what his origin is and he's like watching Sesame Street and sees Grover and he's looking at the TV really intently because it's like he's thinking that maybe Grover is like his father or something and stuff like that which yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I feel like um it I feel like any time the tick has been adapted, it's been a commentary on or, or in the style of things that's going on at the times. And this new one is like, you Netflix know, MC, shows. yeah, Netflix yeah. shows and stuff like that. So I feel like it's always like the style of it's always going to be sort of relevant to whatever is in the zeitgeist at the moment, I guess. But uh, that makes sense. I, I, I love the, the live action. Hmm. I mean, like I said, that was my introduction to it. So yeah. it's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> Well, it was nice. I, I, I did like some of the star power they got. I say star power a little bit in quotes, but like, you know, seeing, <laughs> seeing people I knew like Dave Foley, you know. Oh, yeah, and, that's <laughs> well, you don't know. forget, Christopher Lloyd was in the, uh, in the pilot episode. Mm. He needs a machine to move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Eric, what did you think of this first attempt at a live action tick? See, I, I actually really loved uh, Batman. Well, I know you said poor man's deflator mouse sure but mm. he there's just something about like looking especially looking back on it and watching it now even though it's not the same actor he reminds me of um um i always forget his last name because he's mostly a voice actor carlos uh i forget his last name carlos Ves- what i was rocky he's the guy that does uh that was uh garcia on uh, reno 911 yeah, Carlos Alasraki. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of him, especially with his overall like delivery and mm. just his comedic timing. I thought was really well done. Sure. I mean, looking back on it, there's a lot of stuff that they do with that character that they probably couldn't do today for very obvious reasons. But it's mm. still a lot of the bits that he came up with and like delivered were so good. And then, uh, in my opinion, well, like, well, I love the guy playing Arthur now. I think that that this live action version of Arthur. Was the most proactive out of the three mm. like he's he's the one that would um instead of waiting for waiting around for stuff to happen he was actively seeking out the stuff minus the first couple episodes where he's trying to figure out you know what's going on with the tick but at the same time you see like by the third and fourth episodes he's like he's fully involved you know what i mean like he's not actively running away from stuff he's he's pretty much going okay let's let's fight this and then even in the pilot he's like making that active decision decision to be a superhero versus the the newer one and even in the cartoon where it seems like Arthur is kind of not necessarily the butt of jokes but like running away from the problems he's full-on running towards them and I, I really like that out of uh, out of our, the, all the actors we've had as Arthur um, and obviously Patrick Warburton is awesome fun fact uh, throughout the whole series they had a different tick costume for each episode really yeah so that's why like you can see visual improvements and like things that were constantly uh like the the antenna perfect example is like if you really pay attention you can actually see they like they actually got like better with the response times and having the uh, the antennas act up uh mm. with different things i heard and, a great story about those antenna too oh go ahead it's, it's <laughs> just that uh patrick warburton was not a big fan of them because they were getting more laughs than he was because <laughs> he's like he would do a take and like there'd be crew people laughing and he'd like what i didn't say anything funny and it was just the 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 way that his antenna were reacting to whatever he was and saying. Like, that was like some other guy with like a controller, right? Yeah. So like that guy was getting laughs. <laughs> exactly. He was a little concerned that the antenna were upstaging him. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Again, coming from it from the cartoon, I felt like Warburton's delivery because, you know, Patrick Warburton always kind of, you know, he seems like he's kind of somewhere else. He's kind of like this, okay, kind of guy. You know, it's a Seinfeld character. It's pretty much the same thing, you know, and so it just never felt like as forceful or as, like, bombastic as the tick should be to me. So, I don't know. I I didn't feel like he was the best choice for the tick. Um, What I thought was funny at the time, though, was before they did this show, Wizard Magazine, which was a magazine that covered comics uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s, they used to do like a casting call segment where they would just postulate like a movie for some comic character. And they did like a tick one at one point, and they said that their pick for the tick was Jay Leno. <laughs> Bah! No. Oh my god, no! Because the chin. That is so not prominent. A reason to cast Jay Leno for anything. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's awful. You're physically ill I, now. I would not have watched that show. <laughs> Butch, uh, Butch Hartman, the creator of uh, Fairly Odd Parents, is actually a huge, uh, huge Tick fan. You can tell because he based uh, the uh, um, the superhero that uh, Timmy was a huge fan on on the overall look of the Tick. He's he's talked about it before. I think he and uh, the, the Crimson Chin is that yeah what the Crimson Chin. Yep, I think sense. he talked. I think he and Ben Endelin are working together in something or did work together in something. Uh, fun fact about the guy who plays Batman well, by the way, he is in The Dark Knight, and I thought that was hilarious. Is he? Yeah, he's like uh, the mayor or something. I don't oh, remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got <laughs> those awesome. beautiful eyes. Um, <laughs> okay. I really like that Batman well in in the live action. I mean, his name is basically just Batman. It's like the, right. the, the, the cheapest, does. quickest way to make... Like, it seems so in character. Like, his mask is so tiny because he wants you to see as much of his face as possible. Mm. It just seems like the shallowest like superhero mm. costume and idea, just because he wants to be a superhero with none of the actual like responsibility <laughs> of it. No. And I feel like that's great. Okay, so let's move on because there's only nine episodes, so there isn't a whole much to talk about. Let's uh, talk about the Amazon uh, series that just came out, which it's kind of amazed me because. Uh, it really shows how fluid and how how much you can do with the idea of the tick because this one is so different uh, from the two versions that I was familiar with before, both the cartoon and the other live action show. Um, but I think that I like it a lot more than the than the previous live action, and it's kind of it's so different from the animated show that I'm not sure that I can really compare the two. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? of the of the new show overall i'm a i'm a huge fan of it eric what about you yeah i'm i especially the back half though that that hat is a rant for like (laughs) days is the whole i love ben edlin's work i love all the things he's responsible for and created from you know the tick to supernatural to pretty much everything else he's ever touched but it's like his whole argument on binge watching and basically like the whole like oh yeah we're gonna release the back half which is just which is you know the same amount of episodes but we're gonna wait like almost six months after we release the first 
the first half because you know binge watching is this and this i forgot the exact quote but it's like nah edlund you're wrong here you're you're completely wrong i mean obviously thank god it didn't kill the the ratings of the show and i think if i've read correctly we are getting a season two yeah but it's still like any but anything else killed this i mean anything else would would have been killed by this by that decision if it didn't have the uh didn't have the history that it did obviously people stuck Mm. by it and it has the cast is strong and they filmed the whole show together but any other show especially like if netflix pulled this with anything i guarantee it would have killed it especially if netflix is doing that right now they're doing it with voltron yeah they're doing it with voltron they're splitting the seasons up and and yeah and and here's the thing though that's not a brand new ip i'm I'm arguing that if it was a brand new ip it would not still be here well well here's the thing i see i i disagree with you that this would is like a deal killer it's the difference between okay so if all 12 episodes dropped in what was it october uh last year when it when they dropped so if all 12 episodes dropped but then you had to wait say 16 months for the next 12 is that better than getting six in october six in february and then another 12 you know in like 10 months i'm not sure that that i mean what they're trying to do is give us more less episodes at a time but more often and and i'm not sure that that's wrong because then that way we at least get something to tide us over you know to to get you know through you know the 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 gap i guess well i guess the the ultimate test of that will be uh game of thrones because we still have what like eight or nine months to wait at this point (laughs) well that's the thing because it frustrates me it frustrates me when i have to go more than a year to get another season so if that's their way of trying to fix that is by like splitting seasons in half and giving you a little bit now and a little bit later and still work on the other season to get you the you know the next season Uh, i'm not sure that that's wrong i mean i get your point too but i'm not sure it's wrong i don't know what do you guys think about that joe and tony i think part of the problem comes in with just the more of like the structure of this particular show where Mm. the front half of the season had a lot of setting up to do yeah and i think it kind of played into people's fears that like there was i think some like you know articles going around when it was first announced and people were afraid that it was going to be like grim dark (laughs) that they were going to reboot the tick and it was going to be gritty Um, well this is the gritty version of the tick (laughs) <laughs> it is. It totally is because right. it's it's about uh like it's a commentary. Yeah, it. it's right. about gritty Netflix shows, kind of like about gritty superhero shows. But it's still the Tick, right. so it's it's going to do that and be absurd and ridiculous and really funny. Right. Um, but it didn't get to be really funny until like the second half. Right. So I I'm guess. not sure how much that that the second half is better is just a function of it being like season one kind of yeah. like we got to do a lot of setup and then we'll get to have fun i don't know right. i was finding it pretty funny going along um it, i think it definitely totally, oh sorry kicks <laughs> up sorry I, I i definitely think it kicks up in that second half like the sure. amount of absurd oh yeah like comedy. the first half is great i don't have i don't have any any problems mm. with it it gets more fun mm. the second half yeah maybe because there's a guy out of scale <laughs> <laughs> you know what two guys out of scale actually <laughs> that was great his head, when they did the the like puppet thing of like him just having like a regular size head and like a baby body, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this this joke that people do. But as a thing, 
But it's, it's clearly just him, like, ducked under, sticking yes. his head through the baby carriage. Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, my main takeaway from this version is that it's the best version of Dot ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know, because Dot is usually depicted as, you know, she doesn't like what Arthur's doing. She thinks it's weird. She doesn't like the dick. And in this, it's kind of like she's like, oh, you guys are having adventures and doing stuff. Hey, I want in. You know? <laughs> And, and, and it was Peter, kind of fun. Peter, Sir, Peter Serafanaquitz, I always butcher his last name, um, probably my favorite version of The Tick. Mm, yeah, no, I agree with that, too, because, yeah, I, 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 I thought that his delivery, his way of doing just about everything was, was what I wanted out of that character. There's a moment in, I think it's the pilot, where he's just, his response to something is just, neat! Right. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> No problems. This show's going to be the tick. Of Go course it is. Tell it on the mountain. <laughs> oh, I love that they're already getting into like the tick trying to figure out what his origin is, and so he thinks that he's a robot at first, and you know all that kind of stuff. That's where it's... <laughs> even though he looks nothing so like the robot, he's like, "Oh, we're just alike." <laughs> Yeah, they do I... that kind of in the comic, but with the, a different character called mm-hmm. the Red Scare that looks an awful lot like the Tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they in the, the Patrick Warburton version, the Red Scare is a robot. And then in this new version, there's a robot that he connects with. It's not the Red Scare, but it's it's very similar. It's like that has mutated throughout the series in a very weird way. That happens a lot with mm-hmm. stuff throughout these, these this series. Well, this was definitely a very different version of the city than we've had Mm. even in the previous live action where you know there was really only the one group of superheroes in the past who have mostly died um straight shooter spoilers still alive but uh (laughs) um even though he's taken on a new identity um but uh you know but yeah i mean it's 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 like it's like this isn't like the city that's full of superheroes everywhere like we've had in the past and though they have superior too of course uh but uh you know that i i and so that was different but i liked it because it means that the tick is even more of an unusual thing popping into this world he isn't one of a whole bunch of superheroes he is pretty much the superhero other than the superior Superman clone guy um, that they have in it. So man, those first three episodes scared the hell out of me with the um, with the uh, the possible like hints and nods going, oh, you know, the, the tick totally could be a figment of Arthur's imagination when they kept playing with that. I'm like, oh god, please, please don't and then, you know, yeah. finally get away from that. And I was like, oh, thank god. <laughs> I was. Oh, so no, scared. yeah, if they had gone that route, yeah, I yep. think that would have been completely the wrong direction to go. I, I, I mean, I can terrified. see some humor but that wouldn't have lasted long i have a theory about that though okay i feel like it's he is kind of from arthur's mind but like a physical manifestation of something so he actually exists but that's why he has no memory is he literally just came out of arthur like it's a a (laughs) physical representation of like what arthur wants to be i love that he's reading um uh, I can't believe I can't remember the dog uh, Midnight. Midnight. Yeah, he's yeah. reading Midnight's book, and he's just finding so much deep meaning in there. And he's like, "Who is this God character that you keep talking about in here?" <laughs> he reads a superhero biography in every version. Does he? He does. 
and he's just like excited about it. <laughs> right. So, um, Arthur's stepfather, uh, in the last episode, we see suddenly, you know, pulling out super kung fu moves. So, what do you think's up with that? Is he some sort of like a secret agent or something? Or, or what do you guys well, think is going on there? Well, and before anybody else can make this joke, I mean, he did run the Dharma Initiative, so. Does that surprise anybody? Is that a lost thing? Yeah. No. Uh-huh. It's the same actor from all the PSAs of uh, of uh, the Dharma Initiative from Lost, for those that don't know. And I like when my references just drop. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I have not seen Lost. You'll recognize so many people from so many different things mm. that you watch, Nate. Well, see, here's the thing. Again. The problem was, so when I first found out about Lost, it was probably like midway through the show. And I was yeah. like, well, I'll just wait until the whole... Because people were like, well, it's one of those interconnected shows where everything matters. And I was like, okay, I'll just wait until it's done. And then I'll just binge watch the whole thing. And then once it was over, everyone was like, oh, God, don't watch it because the ending is so horrible. It just makes the whole thing worthless. Oh, don't don't do it. So I never have watched it. <laughs> I like the ending. Okay. Most, 99% of the world hates it. <laughs> 99% of the world hates Howard the Duck, though. So. Oh, yeah. They, they're wrong, though. <laughs> no, only, only two people who like Howard the Duck. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, what were we talking about on this? Uh, oh yeah, the the stepfather. Does anybody have any th- like theories about what's going on with the stepfather and his obsession with feet? No, the moment that it <laughs> happened, I just sort of gasped and was like, "What? What's his deal?" But it's so oh, in keeping with how the writing on this show goes of just something completely out of nowhere just happens, and it's like, okay, now I've got to readjust my worldview. You know, <laughs> he might be uh, attached to was it Aegis? Aegis? I don't know how you pronounce mm-hmm. it, but the uh, the thing that's being set up for the next season. My yes. hope is that there's a good chunk of time of him very sneakily being badass while also trying to be like goofy dad at the same time. Yeah, I'm wondering if he isn't an Aegis agent myself, but my other theory is that maybe there are other superheroes that have just been more hidden. Um, yeah, and so that, and he might be one of those. He might be retired now, but you will find out that he used to be a superhero. And that's why when the tick told him what was going on with Arthur, that he was like, like, oh no, that's great. You know, like he was just completely cool with it and had no more questions or anything, you know. Um, so, yeah. So there might be a whole arc of just superheroes coming out, mm-hmm. which seems in tone for what this show does. <laughs> um, my, my favorite thing, though, from this version, and I'm really sad. This is one thing where I feel like in the second half, I didn't like him being toned down, was Overkill. He was just so hilariously, like, over the top brutal in the first half of the show. <laughs> and I love Overkill. I know, Overkill is like my favorite thing, but then in the second half, you know, he was kind of towed down and, and, you know, was trying to play nicer with everybody, and I just, I, I, I wanted that, that Overkill from the first half back. <laughs> I like him getting cut down though. Like I love like the scene where he like breaks into I don't know he breaks into some place and mm-hmm. the tick is just like prime. <laughs> just, yeah. um, uh, he's oh. kind of like him and his dynamic with Lint is kind of like this this 
series version of Batman Well and American Made or Captain Liberty. Yeah. Like that's that same kind of duo. I feel like. Well, it's Except weird this time I, she's a villain, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, I thought that they were going for a dot overkill romance, but then the whole thing with Miss Lint was going on, and Dot was watching, and she was just like disgusted by the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, maybe they're not going that way. Um, because yeah, it also seemed like that they wanted to very much play off of that. that These two people who hated each other were also kind of attracted to each other, um, kind of thing. So uh, either way, it's fun. Um, I just felt like the dot thing would have been a bit too tropish. Um, mm. You know, that's that's Tony what you thought, expect. I was going to wind up with the the VLM because of dinosaur Neil. <laughs> yeah, I thought I figured out oh, that's a dinosaur Neil stand-in. That must be that must be Dot's love interest. <laughs> and then they revealed that he had a family, and I was like, oh, I guess everything's not one one. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, I I liked Alan Tudyk as the as the danger boat. I just thought it got a little too weird when they had yep. the shower scene. That was a little yeah. rapey. <laughs> You know, especially when when the when the thing comes out that's like you know pummeling his back and it's working its way down, and thankfully they cut it there. But I'm just like, uh, you know, I was just having I was having issues with that. I loved the idea when they were, when like Danger Boat first is like I'm a male boat, obviously, like that's how I identify, and I guess I'm into men. I was like, what? How fantastic <laughs> that we have just this boat that's exploring his identity and the the shower scene was kind of unfortunate yeah. but I it, otherwise I really enjoyed the idea I think it saves it a little bit because even he realizes that maybe he, he's like I'm sorry I went too far I, that was bad I'm sorry just a boat trying to figure myself out <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fact that we can have that conversation <laughs> There are people that it's a legitimate ship. I mean, of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I take my hat off to you, sir. That was a that was a worthy pun. (laughs) Well played. Well played. I did like the juxtaposition of this this version of the show versus the uh, the cartoon and and the um, the other live action version where it really is about like um, fate, destiny, and pure dumb luck like the mm-hmm. fact that that he he gets the suit when he does and you know now that they have the uh, unlocked potential the suit is awesome and I, I actually really love the idea of the suit being like uh almost like an iron man-esque armor mm-hmm. and still needing the idiot's guide to work the thing properly but just well, that, that was very overall. greatest american hero where it's like he yeah. has the suit but he doesn't know how to work the suit but yeah i love the fact that it's like oh it can do english <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an English mode? Right. <laughs> I love that they worked in both of their battle cries in yeah. this. And that last episode. Yeah. That was so good. <laughs> Arthur's just like, not the face, not the face. I about lost it. I was like, yes, fantastic. Yep. Yeah. So what is it about Spoon that keeps just drawing us back? <laughs> For some reason, it works so well. <laughs> I think it's just that he sells it. He right. says it with oh, yeah. with conviction. Spoon. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, okay, spoon. Right. Sure, <laughs> I believe in it. Yeah. Convinced me. <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the terror in this? 
I, I actually really love this version of the terror. Yeah, he's actually terrifying. <laughs> yeah, like they're and, still uh, doing the old jokes, but it's also still terrifying. Yeah, because he doesn't huge... act as decrepit as the previous versions of the yeah, terror. You know, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's a huge difference between this one and the one that we see in episode three of uh, of the uh, 2001 version is mm-hmm. majorly different. And the uh, the actor in question, I I I always blank on his name, but um, I feel like this is one of his strongest uh strongest roles because he might not have been a good freddy but he's a fantastic uh the terror yeah i mean even the animated version is coughing and hacking all the time and, and sounds like he's one step away from death's door this version he looks awful but he's vital i mean he seems like he has a lot of energy he's he's kind of manic almost you know and all over the place all the time so it gives him drums. a right he has the drums <laughs> yeah. he, he has a much stronger presence than the other versions of the terror that we've seen before which does make him a bit scarier not not afraid to flat out kill somebody if they if they tick him off enough right and the fact that you know he had a soda company all these years that that was his <laughs> his evil. I, was a sad, I was a little sad that it wasn't honesty cola because that's that's the one in the cartoon is mm. it yeah it's in like almost every episode honesty cola mm. oh. <laughs> Never noticed. But I love the fact that the T was there in the in the logo for his ship. That was amazing. <sighs> yeah. I I also really love the like four and four or five major teases into what season two could be uh, within that last uh, that last episode because I have I have many questions and I'm very <laughs> excited to see them answered. Like I really want to know if um if the Superman guy whether or not he's playing stupid. Or if he is just flat out like a puppet for somebody, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with that with that last bit of tease that we see with him and uh, the terror, and just what the terror says to Arthur and the Tick, and just what that that whole bit led into, and then obviously with with um the dog, and just there's so much there's so much packed into that last episode that makes me super excited for what we could get in season two. I'm really amazed what this show was able to do with half hour episodes. Um, yep. You know, I mean, we used to live action shows you know because even though this is comedy it's not like a sitcom at all you know it's 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 an action comedy and and we're used to things like that being in the hour-long format and this show packed it all in i mean the budget was there didn't look tacky you know that's that's one of the failings of the 2001 version was how tacky everything looked um but this version looks beautiful um you know that there's a great plot line going on you know there's great acting going on i i've been i was very impressed with us we haven't uh, touched on her much but I, uh miss lint is amazing as well she's like mm-hmm. my my favorite character she's fun no. yeah. she's awesome well and she of course is the the other version of what i was talking about with thrakerzog in the cartoon where she has her uh, ex-husband roommate where he's just like a normal everyday guy and she's mm-hmm. the super villain and so she's hit like this stuff with like the minions in the room and he's like coming in just being like hey Hey, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, make so much noise or, you know, whatever. It's just... I'm really interested... Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say those minions are great. Just the whole, but we got these tattoos. She just burns a tattoo <laughs> off of it. <laughs> I'm really interested in her. 
her okay. morally gray uh, arc. Like, because she could go either way. You think she mm-hmm. could be redeemed? I think she could be redeemed, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't she, know. Cause... She just doesn't care. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, the terror has, like, some, like, scheme that he wants to do, and she's just kind of like, I hate everything, I'll just go along with it until it doesn't suit me kind of thing. <laughs> Which makes her fun, you know, because she is. She, she's not she's not really beholden to anything. Um, although she clearly she clearly likes messing with uh, Overkill. I, I remember the first the first half of the season when it ended with her just straight up murdering uh, the Egyptian guy. I can't remember his name. Ramses. Ramses yeah. yeah, I was like proud of her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because he was incredibly lame, and she actually had power. The moment we realize you do not take off Lint. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's great because I mean, she's the, she's an original character created for this. You know, we've seen riffs on Arthur and the Tick and Dot even though they're somewhat different here, really different in Dot's case, and Terror, we've seen riffs on him, but uh, Miss Lynch, she is she is completely from this version, and so I think she was one of the really great additions to the Tick, you know, storyline. So, um... They will, they will go back to some of the older stuff, incorporate it? Yeah, I, they could very well establish some of the characters we've seen before, and just say they were in other cities and stuff, and have them come to the city after all this came... You know, so we might see a deflator mouse or a Batman well or something along those lines. I've heard that they, uh, I've heard rumors that, well, not rumors, but people really want Patrick Warburton to come as Barry, the other tick. Uh, I think that would be amazing. That would be great. (laughs) Because he's still, he's a producer on this new one, too. So he, they really want to put him in the new in the show at some point so that i think that'd be a perfect opportunity to do so well the fact that the original tick uh, animated voice actor is uh, is midnight has just like filled me with so much glee i'm glad you told me <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah having I'm Patrick, surprised you didn't, and I'm surprised you didn't pick up on it. Well, he doesn't deliver it the same way as he did the tick. No, he do, he doesn't. But there's like uh, I forget. There are like a couple tinge moments of like them just giving like nods with pieces of dialogue mm. here and there, but not like majorly. And and uh, if you watch the little like side things, I think they even point out exactly who he is at one point. You know, like when you uh, either freeze frame it or pause, you get the little uh, side. Uh, side things that tell you like little facts about the show mm. I, i'm not yet at the point where i watch my shows frame by frame but i should start doing that <laughs> uh, i used to read these books called the nitpickers guide to star trek and that's what the guy oh, would God. do he would actually like go through each episode frame by frame to find problems it's a little it's a little oh too hardcore <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Man, you're alive for a long time. You gotta find something right. to do. <laughs> That's true. But anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean what do we what do we want from season two? I mean, Eric, you, you mentioned those questions you want answered. Anything in particular you want to happen? Um it would it would be kind of fun to see like more and more heroes pop up. Is obviously obviously we have our uh, Punisher esque hero, but now he's been pacified by Dot, and I can't wait to see whether or not like how their relationship evolves whether you know whether they try a romantic relationship or whether he like continues to train her in a heroic way i really can't wait to see more of their relationship but i would also like to see if they um i don't i think they can use deflator mouse but i don't think they can use uh i think batman well and what's her name lady liberty is that Mm -hmm. her name 
there because of the because because of the Fox show. I think there's like a rights issue where they're not allowed to use those two characters. So I don't think we'll we'll be seeing them anytime soon. But I would like to see like almost almost a mystery men esque you know like rise in superheroes because of what the Tick and Arthur did at the end of the season. And just what else do I want to see? I don't know. Um, I would love to see more of Midnight because he's awesome. <laughs> Such a wise pup. Such a good um, boy. <laughs> such a good boy yes. well no that was the what was it he said yeah overkill says like deep at heart he's a good boy <laughs> i love that whole fight between overkill and uh, midnight it's so good sidekick and, mascot <laughs> i like how they introduced him as a character because like before you even see him she's like uh got the book and she's like it's written by a dog just so matter of factly and i didn't realize it was going to become a bigger thing as it went on but that line alone i was just like I'm in love with this show. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the mystery of the stepfather and whether or not they follow up with that more because he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tony, what about you? Is there anything that you would like to see in the uh, second season? Uh, I have no idea. I have a feeling that we're going to get kind of a civil war sort of thing um, with like, you know, government ag- agencies sort of restricting what superheroes can and can't do. I have, mm. I that's my suspicion that that's where this is going especially since it's you know what's going on in superheroes right now mm-hmm. um i can't think of like anything in particular that i like really want it would be super fun to see uh patrick warburton play barry that would be delightful <laughs> yeah now that you've said that idea that i really want that <laughs> uh how about you joe anything besides having patrick warburton back um, I do definitely want that. Um, I do want to. I hope they 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 keep up the the comedy level that they they had in that second half. Um, but I uh, I don't know. I want more weird origins for the tick. That, so they start like always cycling through possible origins, and they always turn out not to be true. Yeah, like it's very possible, but no, it's not it. They just do weirder and weirder stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to write for it. <laughs> <laughs> So if, if you can if somebody can make that happen, I will write some scripts for you. It's, it's all good. <laughs> I, I would write for it too. Just saying. You yeah. You know, after Berlanti gets off the phone with me to write for them, I you know guys, tick guys, just, you know, call me. Actually, the tick guys don't need my help as much as the Berlanti group does, but that's a whole other. Jeez, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing, Berlanti. Just stop doing the same storylines in multiple shows on the same week. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard, you know, just to, oh, you guys are doing that same exact concept? Okay, we won't do that this week. We'll do it in three weeks, you know. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, don't don't open that can of worms. Yeah, that's don't my soapbox. Don't open box, that can I'm of sorry. worms because I'm just going <laughs> to come right out and say, just get more of the writers you have going for Legends of Tomorrow and transfer them to the other three shows. <laughs> Instead of all the glum and doom stuff, go with the fun stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, for me, um, a character we haven't mentioned yet and one that I would like to see more of is uh, Tinfoil Kevin. Yes. Um. I love he was Buzz in the the Home Alone films. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was um, it's a fun he's fact. The be- he's he's the best friend of uh, the lead protagonist inside of the show Love on Netflix. Oh, okay. Oh. But uh, which but, is really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tinfoil Kevin obviously has a lot more going on than appears to be on the surface. 
So it will be interesting to delve more into his backstory and, you know, how he came by, you know, living in a giant robot head and, you know, <laughs> the other strange stuff that he's got accumulated and, you know, just what his deal is. Although I love the fact that they told him to watch the apartment and then he just decides to squat. <laughs> it's easier to watch it from inside. <laughs> his delivery is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So deadpan. Oh, I know. And, 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 you know, and that gets back to what you were saying before, though, too, that the show is such a weird mishmash of, like, the everyday and the absurd. Because you even got, like, the, uh, the couple that runs the convenience store and, yeah, you know, all that stuff where it's, like, it's very real, very mundane, very modern day. But then juxtaposed with the tick and all the craziness that's going on around him. And uh, that makes it really fun. Um, anything else that you guys want to say about the tick? Um, Tony, do you have anything you wanted to say about the tick before we uh, wrap out? Um, no, it's just really, really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had posted something the other day because we had like had just finished watching the cartoon. I had gone back and I had like looked through the comic book a little bit, and I was like, "The tick as a thing is something that is too good for this world, but we get to have it anyway." And I think that's great. <laughs> and you're like, "But Tony, which version?" And you went, "Yes." Yes. <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. It has existed in a bunch of different versions. It's magical in every single one of them. And the fact that it's a thing that exists is like a blessing upon us. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that that's one of the great things that probably is because it was adapted so soon after it was created that none of the versions of the tick feel like this is the definitive version. It feels like they're just iterations on a concept. So even mm. though I felt far more... Uh, especially in my teenager years and early 20s, I felt far more of a connection to the anime tick. You know, watching the Amazon Prime show, it's just as real to me. It's just as much the tick to me as the animated version, even though it is so different. Um, it, it still has that sort of core concept of what I feel like is important to the tick. So I agree with, I, I think that that's right. It's all the versions of the tick are equally great in their own way. Watch them all. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta watch them all. Um, so, Joe, do you have anything else you wanted to say about the tick before we wrap out? Um, just, yeah, just go watch all of it. Read it. It's great. Just just consume. Consume. <laughs> and I just want to say, who puts gum on a roof? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the other thing that abs I absolutely adore about the tick and all the versions is just the mindless, like, unintentional destruction. As he just, like, jumps from rooftop to rooftop and all the stuff of, you know, he just knocks bits of roof off, you know, it's just... <laughs> There's a line in the cartoon where Arthur is admonishing him for it and is like, we're starting to get notes from the city. <laughs> They're going to try and make me pay for it. I like in the, the first episode of the the Warburton version hmm. when he's, his feet just go through the ceiling and it's just the two guys looking up at his feet dangling from the ceiling. And that's the creator, Ben Edlund, and the director of the episode, Barry Sonnenfeld. So. Awesome. All right, Eric, do you have anything more to say about the tech before we wrap out? I thought of another season two idea. You get John DiMaggio, and you have him with his Aquaman voice as an Aquaman-like character, and you team him up with... Uh, Peter's uh, tick and you have the two of them just in a one shot episode doing whatever the hell they want because I feel like the two of them combined especially <laughs> he, Peter doing his tick and DiMaggio doing his brave and the bold Aquaman 
together would be magic. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I've never seen Brave and the Bold. Do you know oh, okay. we have some of it, and I've never seen it. Hmm. So I know John DiMaggio. Well, so. so John DiMaggio's Aquaman is basically Adam Adam West Batman. He's full on going outrageous and telling all these <laughs> the- crazy out there like stories about like how he's basically the best adventurer of all time and just driving every other superhero insane whenever he's on an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold. And it's the best thing about Batman the Brave and the Bold. I've heard nothing but like amazing things about Batman the Brave and the Bold, and I've always meant to like have watched it it's good it's good there's a sorry obviously gearing towards the end 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 of your show nate but i didn't mean to like completely bring this up but there's a if you're if you're a uh, booster gold and blue beetle fan there's a couple episodes with um with uh batman jaime jaime reyes uh booster and a will wheaton um Ted Cord, that are fantastic. Joe just got very excited. I, I do like. It's, I do like. I like the comedy characters. <laughs> it's so good. It's they're some of the strongest episodes of that show. They even had Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, and a couple other uh, actors being um, a couple. Pre Diedrich Baker is obviously the uh, the Batman of that show, but they had um. So they have basically all the previous. Batman uh, voice actors come in, and it was like um, I think Kevin Conroy played uh, played uh, Thomas Wayne, and then you had the Phantom Stranger and another character, and it's a really like dark, fascinating episode that you're surprised they threw in such a uh, such a like fun cartoon and not like not something you'd expect from that. It's it's a really cool episode. I'm still going to sit here wishing that the uh, DC would continue the continuity from the Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and Justice yep. League. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a good, we have a good, like, 25 years of that, though. I've been boycotting all the new DC animated stuff. Because <laughs> I have 10 years of awesome shows that are all connected, and then they just, like, ditched it. Right. But anyway. <laughs> it's a bummer. Yep. But, um... Okay, did you have anything more you uh, wanted to say about the tech? Um, boo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that is the greatest thing to say about the tech, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm glad that you guys came on to talk with me about The Tick, because it is a series that, uh, it's a a franchise, I guess, and more than just a series, it's a franchise that I just think is so much fun, and um, while I'm not the person that likes for all my stuff to be, like, comedic, I feel like The Tick is a series or a franchise that always gets it right. It always gets the right balance of, you know, uh, interesting story and fun so uh you know it's 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 something that i'll always uh you know be interested in in a new time the tick series comes out and uh, i'm glad to talk about it uh, today with you guys so thank you for being on the show thanks for having us yeah and thank you you're welcome and so let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us so eric why don't you start off I am the easiest person to find on the internet ever. It is a very factual statement. Um, I'm just at Eric Ratcliffe on Twitter, 
and you can pretty much find whatever the heck else I'm doing usually through there. Um, you can find my podcast, Why I Love Comics. Um, you can find my awesome webcomic, New Comic Day, both of which I'm still trying to get back on track. It is very difficult to book guests lately, but um, both I'm getting back on track very soon. But yeah, so if you follow me at Eric Radcliffe on Twitter, you can very easily find what I'm up to. Why aren't you just using your Infinity Gauntlet to get back on track? Um, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that, old chum. I, d- I didn't have an Uncle Ben, though. That's the most disappointing thing about uh, that. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know. If you It'd go to the awesome store, you should be able to find ben. some Uncle Ben's. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Joe and Tony, why don't you both say your goodbyes and let us know where we can find you? All right, you ready? Three, two, nine. <laughs> you can do it one at a time or together. I don't know how you guys like it. Um, you usually do. You usually give the spiel. I did usually give the spiel. Um, you can find us at watchyourassalon dot com. Um, we're also on Twitter at watchyourass. Uh, I I also that's for our podcast where we watch through all of Doctor Who. Um, I also do videos and stuff, which you can find at mintypineapple dot com. And I recently released a book that I co-wrote called "The Princess and the Pterodactyls" by JB Hivemind, which you can find at jbhivemind dot com. It's actually pronounced Hivemind, but it's spelled Hivemind. <laughs> Um, we've got another book we're working on called Road Trippy. So Road Trippy's really good. Thank you. I'm waiting for it to come out so I can force everyone I know to read it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you can find me and Tony. Anything else you do, Tony, that you want to talk uh, about? N- most of my projects are on hiatus right now. You could go to a Tiny Adventure Club. Uh, actually, I think I don't. I think I let the uh, URL lapse. So not <laughs> tinyadventureclub.com, but uh, tinyadventureclub.tumblr.com is still there okay. <laughs> um, and that's a thing that exists <laughs> so Joe I have a question I was just reminded of how does minty pineapple taste <laughs> surprisingly good I actually created that name as two things that I thought didn't go together mm-hmm. and then I found out there actually is a pineapple mint okay. and I had some and it's it's tasty Okay, it's, it's minty fresh Better you than me, but all right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of pineapple in general, though, so you know that's probably part of it. Uh, I love pineapple. Exactly. I am. I love pineapple on pizza. Fight me. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. That's okay, because this. See, this is the fun of the podcast: is that I don't have to judge you. Everyone listening is going to judge you. So. <laughs> they already do. That's. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, Joe, and Tony, thank you again for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for The Tick. What did you think about the episode? Guys, honestly, I mention this every time. I'm not getting a whole lot of feedback lately. Please, just take a moment. There's a lot of ways you can contact us. Email us at everything at 42cast.com. Drop us a line at facebook.com slash 42cast. Tweet to us at at 42cast. You can go to the website at 42cast.com. You can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. I mean, obviously, I would like five-star reviews, but if you feel like we deserve something less, then give that. But, you know, I want to know what you like, what you don't like. 
you know, I hear occasionally at cons or whatnot, people will tell me like, hey, I listened to your show and that's great and all, but, you know, it'd be nice to get feedback in between cons. So, you know, that's, this is hopefully an opportunity for you to do that. Do you like sort of this approach of taking a character and just talking about all aspects of them? Or do you like it better when we talk about just like one TV show or movie? Do you like it when we do more? topic based stuff what do you think of the various guests that we have on the show do you want us to do more interviews if so who do you want there's all sorts of things that you can say about the show you know in addition to things like you know technical quality and stuff like that so i'd really love to hear it so please just drop us a line let us know as always, I'm going to give my pitch for the ESO Patreon again. It's a way for you to help fund the network, which includes the 42 cast. So go to ESO, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash ESO network and uh, give it a look. If it's something where you feel like you can contribute, it does give you access to some exclusive episodes. So um, at least give that, uh, look into that if you've got a little bit of uh, spare cash. So that's it for this week. I'm not going to mention a whole lot about what's going on right now, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, because there's really no point. You're going to hear things that were recorded later, but they're going to air before, before you hear this. But join us back next week when Josh Brolin will not be joining us. And this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.